you have not opened your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, please do so. We are going to be in chapter 12 and verses 4 through 11 as Jen read for us. And I want you to just take a moment to consider several types of people that may be part of the church. The first person that I want you to consider is a person with tremendous gifting as a speaker and as a teacher and as a leader. When this person speaks, people are captured by what they have to say and they're moved by their words. When they teach, there's a greater understanding of the Bible and and greater lights about what it means to follow Christ and be a disciple and their leadership. While they have the ability to lead a church and lead a growing, thriving ministry, and maybe to such a degree that it becomes influential and famous. Or think of this person, that when they pray, miracles happen. When they pray for someone to get better and overcome sickness or illness, they get better. When they pray for someone's financial difficulty, the need is met. When they're praying for someone to be released from the bonds of sin and have victory, that person experiences victory. When they pray for circumstances to change, to be in favor of something, those circumstances change. When they pray, miracles happen. Now I want you to consider the person who quietly serves behind the scenes. Maybe they're good at administration and they kind of lead administratively, or maybe they just show up and they serve, and you never really know about it. They they go, and they meet needs, and they serve in practical ways, and so where there is a need to be met, a task to be done, there they are serving. Now, if you consider those three people in the church, who do you suppose is the most gifted by the Holy Spirit? Who would you most want to be in the church. We are continuing our series in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be spending the next three months going through chapters 12 through 16. And, but for the next few weeks and, um, and into next month, our focus is going to be on spiritual gifts and understanding the nature and the practice of spiritual gifts. In this section of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is addressing the Corinthians in the Corinthian church about this issue of what it means to be a spiritual person who exercises spiritual gifts. And as we saw last week, he tells them, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant about these things because the Corinthians were allowing old practices and old habits and old ways of thinking to influence the way they viewed spiritual gifts. They, their chase of status and power and success and standing was causing them to view spiritual gifts through that lens. And so what was happening is they were valuing certain spiritual gifts over others. They said these kinds of spiritual gifts, the ones that tended to have a little bit more flash to them, were the ones where the Holy Spirit was really working. Those are the ones that if you had those gifts, you were spiritually impressive, and they were minimizing other spiritual gifts. But as Paul reminds them in verses one through three, it's not the flash and the show. It's not whether or not there are spiritual pyrotechnics that define whether someone is truly spiritual. 
It's whether or not they are submitted to the lordship of Christ. That, it is the, that, it, that Jesus is Lord is the foundation for true spirituality and the practice of spiritual gifts. And as Paul is going to go on and press in verses 4 through 11, he's going to press on the Corinthians, and God's word is going to press on us, First City Church, today, that we should not think that only some gifts are spiritual and others are not. We should not think that the Spirit's display of power is only limited to certain gifts, only those that have a certain flash and wow factor to them, but rather there is a diversity of gifts, and in that diversity, the Spirit's presence and power are put on display. And so the title for my message this morning is Unity in Diversity. And here's the main point of the passage that I want us to grab hold of this morning that the Spirit sovereignly gives a diversity of gifts. The Spirit sovereignly gives a diversity of gifts. And so my hope and my prayer is that God, by his word and his Spirit, would transform our hearts and our minds, and we would take hold of this truth and would affect the way that we view spiritual gifts and practice spiritual gifts here at First City. So let's jump into this passage. Beginning in verse 4, Paul emphasizes this whole idea of unity in diversity. This is what he writes. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Different, but same. Different, but same. Different, but same. Paul repeats this three times to emphasize there is difference, there's diversity, but there's also unity. There are different gifts, there are different ministries, there are different activities, or sometimes that word is translated workings, but the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. There's diversity, great diversity of gifts and ministries and workings that take place in the church, but all of those things are unified in one Spirit, one Lord, one God. Unity in diversity, which very much reflects, as Paul is pointing out here, the nature and character of our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Unity in diversity in our God, our God who is one, but our God who is also three. I loved singing that song, it's the Apostles' Creed set to music where we're declaring, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is who our God is, and this is what Paul is celebrating and drawing attention to for the Corinthians, that this whole idea of diversity of gifts flows from the fact that our God is one and three, unity and diversity. Our God is one, meaning he is one in essence, in being and will, one in purpose and plan, one in righteousness, truth, glory, and power, and majesty. But though our God is one, as theologian Herman Boving points out, this unity or oneness is, according to Scripture and the confession of the church, not a contentless unity or a solitariness, but a fullness of life and strength. It comprises difference or distinction or diversity. It is that diversity which comes to expression in the three persons of God. Our God is one, yes, but our God is also three. Three distinct 
persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the fact that our God is three means that there is rich, full life in our God. A diversity. Our God is teeming with life. It's not, God is not just some lone, solitary being out there by himself, separated from the world, kind of hanging out, and he made us because he was lonely. Now, before you and I were ever in the picture, God, the Father, Son, and Spirit were in beautiful relationship with one another, a richness of life, and then in the overflow of that life is creating us so that we can experience the richness and the fullness of that life. So friends, understand this. Spiritual gifts, the diversity of gifts, it makes absolute sense that there would be a diversity. Why? Because this is who our God is. The richness and the fullness that exists in our triune God overflows in a diversity of gifts, a richness, an abundance of gifts. Paul's drawing attention to this fact to the Corinthians right here, that there is diversity, but there is also unity. And from this rich, diverse, abundant life in God, Paul says in verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. And so in the Greek, this word translated manifestation means to reveal or to make known. Meaning that a manifestation of the Spirit, meaning a revelation of the Spirit, meaning that the gifts that you and I are given by the Spirit are a revelation of the Spirit. Meaning where we see the gifts being exercised, that is a revelation of His presence and His power. You see gifts at work, you're seeing the Spirit at work. You're seeing the Spirit's presence and power being revealed in the church. And so each one of us has been given a manifestation of the Spirit, a gift of the Spirit where his power and presence are revealed in us. And I want you to hold that thought because we're going to come back to it in a second here. And Paul goes on to list some examples of the diversity of manifestations or gifts of the Spirit. He says, to one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these. Paul is just driving this point home. Diversity, but same. Diversity in unity. And in these gifts, Paul highlights that how some involve understanding and insight. Some involve proclamation and speech. Some involve God's miraculous power over things like sickness are put on display. Great diversity just in this list, but all one spirit, all the same spirit. Now, it's important for us to recognize something here about this list. This list is not comprehensive, meaning these are not the only spiritual gifts. How do we know this? Because in other places in Scripture where Paul writes, and he writes about spiritual gifts and he lists them out, he doesn't list the same list every time. Let me give you a few examples here. A few verses later in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes this, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, Next, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. So you see, he lists some leaders in the church, then he lists some of the same ones that we just read, and then he lists some others. 
Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Notice the difference. Some of the same, but some different. And so in addition to the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, Paul uh, call, excuse me, 4 through 11, Paul calls leadership roles in the church spiritual gifts. He calls things like helping and leading and serving and teaching and exhorting and giving and showing mercy spiritual gifts. And so here's what most biblical scholars and commentators will say. That if you take all of these passages together, and, and in the context of each of these passages, Paul isn't trying to be exhaustive. He's just giving examples of spiritual gifts. Shows... One, that there is a great diversity, but two, Scripture probably doesn't exhaust all of the spiritual gifts that you and I could have. Meaning, if we're looking for a hard and fast list of spiritual gifts, we won't find it in Scripture. We'll find examples, but we won't find them all. The point in each of these passages is not to list every single one out, but to show you how diverse they are, how far-reaching they are. That's the point that Paul is making in this verse and these other verses uh, that list out spiritual gifts. A great diversity of gifts that God has given to us and given to the church because our God is abundant and full and rich and he gives out of that richness. Now, something else, and this may be a little disappointing for some of you this morning, <laughs> is that in each of these passages, Paul does not go into detail about what each of these things means. The point of our passage this morning is not to spell out and explain each and every one of these particular gifts. And so if you were coming this morning hoping I was going to do that, sorry. <laughs> but come on March 9th and March 23rd, where we will talk in more detail about the nature and specificity of spiritual gifts. And so I'm not going to just leave you hanging we're just going to do that in a little bit different context because what I want to focus on is the main point of the passage and the main punch that Paul has for us. But I do want to highlight something here about these spiritual gifts that's very, very important to Paul's point and Scripture's point about spiritual gifts. If you look at this list of spiritual gifts, what will you notice? You will notice that some of them are pretty spectacular. Some of them are what we would call supernatural they are, they are things that happen not regularly, but irregularly. It's not as if people were walking around, sorry to say to some people who try to do this, they were just walking around just healing everybody they came across. It's not as if everybody was constantly walking around speaking in tongues. That There were certain supernatural gifts that were sort of irregular in occurrence and would happen once in a while. They were unusual, they were unique. But when they happened, everybody was like, whoa. But there's also in this list things that we would call natural wiring, natural disposition. You think of things like teaching and leading, giving and showing mercy. Now, yes, those can be exercised in very extraordinary ways, very unique ways, sometimes in very extreme ways where we're all going, wow. 
But a lot of times those things are exercised in very ordinary, normal life. And we kind of look at the way people are and we go, yeah, then maybe they're a gifted teacher or they have a particular gift of mercy. So we'll use the language of gifting, but we also just associate it with just a person's natural disposition and kind of the ordinary, average aspects of life. And what's incredible about this and beautiful about this is what you and I want to draw this big distinction between. Paul puts them all in the same category, spiritual gifts. The supernatural and the wow and the irregular and the surprising and the ordinary. All are spiritual gifts. All are empowered by the Spirit. All are manifestations of the Spirit, meaning in both cases, whether it's supernatural or quote-unquote natural, when you see those gifts at work, what are you seeing? The Spirit's presence and power. That is what Paul is telling the Corinthians and what God's Word is telling us this morning. Now, again, I think we recognize difference. I'm not trying to say these things are all the same. Remember, great diversity is the point here. But do we pull these things too far apart and we miss the fact that they are unified, the same Spirit? They're all manifestations of the Spirit. Do we make the mistake do we make the mistake of seeing the Spirit only at work in the supernatural? Do, do, do we at times say, wow, if it's got this wow factor, if it's got this, this sort of unexpected occurrence, if everybody's just bowled over by this unique experience with the Spirit, is that what we're saying? That's a spiritual gift. That's a manifestation of the Spirit. But where there's the ordinary serving and leading and teaching and helping, those kind of ordinary occurrences, do we see those as the Spirit's work? Not only do we see those as the Spirit's work, but do we see them as just as powerful manifestations of the Spirit? Do we see the Spirit at work just as powerfully in the person who serves behind the scenes or the person who has this sort of wow personality, the great and exciting teacher, or the person who prays and miracles happen? Do we see, do we see, do we believe that a manifestation of the Spirit, the power and presence of the Spirit happens both in those that we call supernatural and those that we would call natural. Friends, if we pull these apart, if we do not see them both as powerful manifestations of the Spirit, then God's word would say to us, do not be uninformed. Do not be ignorant. Paul is pressing on the Corinthians and us to say, same Spirit, same Spirit, same power and calls us to see this and embrace this. Look again at what verse four says. There are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. No matter the gift, no matter the ministry, no matter the activity, it's the same spirit, same Lord, same God. And that, that, that phrase at the end, God works all of them in each person, that word working in the Greek carries, carries the meaning to accomplish a purpose. God isn't just sort of randomly working. He's working towards a purpose and an end. And then so all of these gifts, whether wow or not, God is working a purpose, working an end. <laughs> his spirit, the, the powerful manifestations, his presence, all are at work for his glory, his good, his purposes. And I say all this, and I think for a lot of us, we get this in our heads. Like, we'll get this in our heads. Okay, yes, I see this in Scripture. Cool, awesome, amen. 
but <laughs> do we live this way? Do we live this way? Do, do, do we embrace this truth for ourselves and for our church? How do we know? Well, here's a good way to test that. Are you cool with the gifts you have? In other words, do you joyfully and faithfully embrace the gifts that God has given you, or do you wish you had something else? Do you wish you had someone else's gifting? Again, think back on that illustration that I opened with, those three examples of those three different people. Who would you rather be? Who, who do you, you think, I think, who do you want to be in the church? Sort of the charismatic, well-spoken, good Bible-teaching leader, the person who prays and miracles show up, or kind of the behind-the-scenes person? I think if most of us were honest, we would probably want to be one or two. Because we think, wow, those people, the Holy Spirit really shows up in those people. There's really power in those people. And so why would I not want to be part of that? All the while missing that in all cases, the Spirit is powerfully at work. But the question for you and for me is, are we okay with, who, with the gifts that God has given us? Because what does the end of verse 11 say? It says, the Spirit distributes gifts as he wills, as he wills, as he determines, as he chooses. Are you cool with this choice? Are you cool with this choice? Or do you wish that you had something else? And friends, if that's the case, if we inside wish, I mean, we can, we can say, yeah, diversity of gifts, I believe that, I believe that, but I want this one instead of that one. Well, here's the problem with that. One, it shows either we don't really believe that the power of God is working through all gifts or we're after something else. Affirmation, validation, wanting to feel like we're somebody worth something in the church. And we think, man, if I had that gift, I would be somebody. And so we chase these things, not for the glory of God, not believing that the Spirit is good because we want something from it. And friends, look, if you say, I would rather have this gift than this gift, then what you're saying is the Spirit's not good. I don't trust the Spirit's goodness. I don't trust his choice. I don't trust his work in my life. I wish he would do it differently. This is where it presses on us. This is where really the rubber meets the road when it comes to spiritual gifts because we can acknowledge this on paper, but when it comes to our lived-in experience, are we willing to trust the Spirit? Are we willing to trust his goodness and his choice? Do we believe, whether we have the flash and wow gift or we have the, the quieter and subtler gift, that the Spirit is powerfully working, he's powerfully present in our gifts, using them to bring the glory of Christ and his purpose about? Or do we think maybe we got second string or leftovers? Oh, let's not be ignorant. Let's not be ill-informed. Let's not miss same spirits. And a manifestation has been given to each one of us. This is the great promise that we're all, we've all been gifted. None of you are giftless. You all have gifts. Amen. Gifts that the Spirit works through and reveals himself in. <laughs> Can you trust his goodness? Can you trust his sovereignty? Can you celebrate the diversity of gifts and your role in that? Because again, if we struggle, here's the other problem. What, is, what does Paul say the gifts are given for? Common good. Common good. God's purpose, building up the church, not ourselves. And when we get caught around the axle on ourself, when it becomes about us and our status, when it becomes about our validation and how we feel about ourselves and our place in the church, 
then we, we miss and lose sight of this. And so, regardless of your gift, do you trust the Spirit's sovereign work? Do you trust His goodness? Do you believe that, that though there are a diversity of gifts, the same Spirit is at work in you, no matter how flashy or how ordinary? Do you believe this? Do you embrace this? And if you do embrace this, then, then what this translates into is faithfully using and exercising our gifts. Do you faithfully and you and faithfully and joyfully exercise your gifts? Are you depending upon the Spirit, knowing that His presence and His power are going to show up and work in you and through you? Do you have that confidence such that it leads you to actually using your gifts? Do you seek to be faithful to build others up in Christ? Do you seek to give yourself and your life to something bigger than just yourself, your own validation, your own status? Do you see your gifts as part of what God is doing in the world in us and through us and in you and through you such that you're willing to use your gifts, faithfully use your gifts, faithfully trust that the Spirit of God is at work in you? I don't know if you're here this morning and you've lost sight of that. And there can be a lot of reasons why. It could be too easy and reductionistic just to go, you're selfish. <laughs> There's a lot of different reasons we can pull back. Look, it could be selfishness. Maybe you're somebody that just is looking for an opportunity to, to do your thing and looking for people who will validate your thing and you just want to go do that. There are people like that. But my guess is, is that for most people, the reason they pull back is because of some bad experience. Something that didn't go well, went sideways, and they've lost sight of who they are in Christ and the power of the Spirit in their life. Wherever you are in that, whether you're selfish and you're somebody who needs to be confronted and reminded that it's not about you, or whether you're somebody who has been hurting and you're recovering from that and still need to know it's not all about you, <laughs> here's where I want to encourage you in. Here's what I want to remind you of. Is it the power and the presence of the Spirit in your life? The gifts that you have are an overflow and abundance of the victory of Jesus Christ. That we take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on our Lord who is victorious. We will see spiritual gifts in the perspective that we need to see, and that will set us free in so many ways. Here's the beautiful reality. What, what, how are spiritual gifts connected to the gospel? What do they have to do with Jesus Christ and the gospel? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul answers that question for us in Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul speaks of spiritual gifts using the imagery of Psalm 68, 18, where God is pictured as a king returning from battle, victorious over his enemies and ascending to his throne. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 4. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he's, he's sort of speaking a similar thing to the Ephesians that he did to the Corinthians. For it says, and here he's quoting Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to his people. You see, when kings would return from war victorious, they would parade down Main Street and parade through the streets and they would, they would lead the, the enemy captives behind them and they would parade all the way to their throne room and they would sit down and rest as a sign, hey, the battle's won, the victory's been won, I'm victorious, I'm king. 
And so in Psalm 68, we get this image of God who has defeated Israel's enemies, ascending to his throne on Mount Sinai, and resting on that mountain is a sign of his victory. It's this beautiful passage in Psalm 68 of God's victory over his enemies and the enemies of his people. And Paul is pulling on that language of a king ascending to his throne in victory and pointing out this is Jesus Christ, that Christ himself has ascended on high, that he's ascended as a victorious king. But Paul has to answer this question, that Christ ascended on high means that he also descended. So he continues to go on and says this, but what does it mean that he ascended except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. So Paul is pointing to how did Jesus win this victory? He's this king who has ascended to his throne. How did he win this victory? Well, it says he descended into the lower parts of the earth, meaning he died. Christ wins a victory through his death on the cross. Through the death on the cross, Jesus defeats sin and death and evil powers. And in the context of Ephesians, he's talking about evil spiritual forces that oppose God's people. Christ brought them, captured them, and he parades them in his victory party and saying, look who I defeated. Look who has now become my captive because of the victory that I won. Christ dies on the cross, putting evil rulers and authorities to open shame, as Colossians says. But Jesus doesn't just die. He rises again in victory. He rises again in victory, and he ascends above every ruler and authority in victory. And Paul is pointing this out and saying, Jesus is a resurrected and reigning king who sits on his throne in victory, and as all good kings would do, he gives gifts to his people. It was common practice for a king to share the spoils of war with his people. He would say, here's a sign of my victory. Here's a sign of what I have won. Let me bless you with that victory. Let me bless you with these winnings so that you are strengthened as my people. And this is what Jesus did, does. And how does he do it? Well, as Paul goes on and as we profess this morning, he writes in verses 11 through 13 of Ephesians 4, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. And so in these verses, Paul is highlighting the gift of leaders, but what he says applies to all spiritual gifts because he says in verse seven, a measure of grace has been given to all of us. So again, this isn't exhaustive. This applies to all spiritual gifts. But here is the truth that Paul is highlighting in these verses. Here's what he wants you to understand about spiritual gifts. They are the gift of a victorious king. <laughs> the spiritual gifts that you and I have are because Christ has won a great victory. He has defeated sin and death and evil. And in his victory, he blesses his people. He pours out the spirits in victory and he gives gifts in victory. This, this is the glorious truth of our spiritual gifts. They're a sign of Christ's victory a sign of Christ's triumph, a sign of Christ's blessing. The gifts you have are given by a victorious king who reigns victoriously and is working all things victoriously. That's the sign of the gifts. That's why they're there. That's why they matter. They're a blessing from Christ, our victorious king. And so church, for us to receive these gifts is a blessing, to receive these gifts as gifts, as grace, is to celebrate and acknowledge and honor and trust 
in the victory of Christ, to joyously celebrate Christ's work in the church through the Holy Spirit. And so when you and I faithfully exercise our gifts, hear what we're saying, Jesus is victorious. <laughs> Jesus is at work, and I've put my hope and my trust in him, and so I'm gonna exercise my gifts to his glory. I know the Spirit is at work, I know he is powerful and he is present, and so I'm gonna use my gifts for the common good. I'm gonna use my gifts to build up the church. What would it mean for us to embrace this view of the gifts? to see them as an extension of Christ's victory for us and his blessing over us and that we get to use them for his glory and his kingdom. If that's our view of the gifts, if that's what we believe about the gifts, then rather than separating them into categories and saying, hey, these are awesome supernatural gifts where the spirits really at work and these are kind of sort of okay gifts, we're gonna say we want all the gifts. We want the diversity of gifts. Rather than saying, I wish I had this gift rather than this gift, I can say, no, this gift is a blessing and the Spirit is going to use it and this is a sign of Christ's victory, so let me exercise it. Let me celebrate what God is doing in my life and how he's using it. And all of us together as the church, coming together, using the diversity of gifts for the common good. Here's what we get to do, as Ephesians said. We get to build each other up in Christ. We get to be responsible for and partner with God in growing in maturity and seeing that each other grow in maturity. What an incredible privilege that I get to be responsible to help you mature and you get to help me mature because we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit, gifted by a victorious king. We have every hope, every reason, every power to use those gifts in faith. And so church, let's take our eyes off ourselves. Let's, let's face up and own up to maybe some of the selfishness or the fear that we experience, but in the light of the victory of Christ in light of the power of the Spirit in our lives, in light of the fact that the Spirit intends to use you and will use you, let's joyfully embrace the diversity of gifts. Let's rest in the goodness of the Spirit in His choice. He knows what He's doing. He's all wise. He's given you that gift for a good reason, and He knows more than you, and so you can rest in that and trust in that. And let's rest and celebrate and use these gifts joyfully to build one another up all of the gifts, and those that have more of a public gift where people, when they exercise it, people go, wow, we can celebrate the grace of God in that person's life. And those who are serving behind the scenes in smaller ways, we can celebrate the grace and power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And we're sort of celebrating all gifts. We're going to talk about this more next week. If that's what defines the culture of spiritual gifts in this church, wow, look out. <laughs> look out for the way the Spirit is going to be at work, the way that we are going to grow and build, up and build each other up in love and in the fullness of Christ. That's a community I want to be a part of. I hope that's a community you want to be a part of, and it's a community that we can build together if we trust in the Spirit's sovereignly giving gifts to all of us. Amen? Let's pray.